0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, August twenty seventh edition of the MMA Ob Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Hope everyone's doing really well. Uh, obviously, we have UFC on ESPN plus thirty three on Saturday. Be sure to check out Tuesday's podcast. Myself and Cole Sheldon broke down all the fights in the card. One fight did change. I told you guys something's going to happen. One of these fights is going to fall out. At least one. Maybe another one will tomorrow. Hopefully not. But uh, with the way things have been going, it seems like a lot of fights fall out last minute these days. But, yeah, we'll talk about that new replacement fight. Dana White's contender series took place on Tuesday. I'll recap that. There's some news and outs to get to. So let's get right into today's podcast. All right. I'll just, I'm going to start with uh, contender series 30. So we'll start with that right now. Dana White's contender series took place on Tuesday once again and overall another solid card and they handed out four contracts. So Dana White's been handing out contracts at a record pace this season. You compare it to previous years, you, you got to kind of feel bad for some of the fighters that have been on the show in the first couple seasons where they had good performances, finishes even in some cases, and Dana White decided not to sign them this year. It's like, if you get a finish, you're in. I think he's literally signed to everyone who's got a finish on the show. And most of the guys have got decisions as well, except for a few in particular, including one on this card that I will talk about. That was kind of controversial, I guess. So let's start with the bottom work way up. Um, middleway fight, open up the card, Colin Huckabee, Huck Body. man, he didn't even need more than, not much more than a minute. Minute 28, taps out Kyron Bowen, arm triangle choke. He was the favorite heading in this fight. I think a lot of people, including me, expected him to win this fight. Uh, the thing is, like, what do we learn about him from this fight? That, that's the only question I have. Like, he got the win. He looked good, obviously. When he got the finish in a minute, you know he was going to get signed, but did we learn anything more about him that we already didn't know? I don't know. So, yes, like I'm, I have no problem with him getting signed, but I'd like to see this guy face a little bit more adversity. That's that's the one issue with finishing your fight so early. You didn't show that you had the cardio and stuff like that, but it's hard to fault a guy for getting a finish, so obviously he's going to get a contract. He's in the UFC now. Next up, Anthony Romero defeated Mike Breeden via unanimous decision. He did not get a deal. This was an interesting fight. Romero, he's definitely good. I mean, he's technical. He's got good striking and pretty good wrestling. But Mike Breeden was hurt so bad. The kicks especially were absolutely devastating. That third round, I have no idea how this guy didn't fall down and and lose via leg kick TKO. But somehow he kept pressing forward and was able to grind out the full 50 minutes here. That's the reason Dana White didn't sign him. He looks at this guy and says, hey, this guy can't finish an opponent that is literally walking around on, like, one leg, can't finish him. Why should I sign with the UFC? So that's definitely been a controversial decision since he wasn't signed. A lot of people thinking, you know, this was a mistake on Dana's part. Dana afterwards said, if he's so good, you know, maybe Bellator or one of these big promotions can go and pick him up and prove me wrong. Like he said that about a few other guys, like Brendan Lofton especially. The thing about Dana is, it's like when he gets this, like, Feeling in his mind that this guy's not UFC worthy, it's very hard to convince him otherwise. And we saw it with Brendan Lofton in, in, in last season. Even though, and the guy he's he lost to, uh, he beat Bill Algio, The guy that lost to him. He's in the UFC now, but Brendan's in the PFL and in purgatory there because we don't even know what's going on with them. So when Dana White's like got his mindset on something, it's hard to convince him. He's a stubborn guy, and in this case. Maybe someone told him, hey, Romero's very talented. Let's bring him in. But he was convinced this guy's not UFC caliber because he didn't finish the fight and because he didn't finish an opponent that was hurt that badly. So to be honest with you, like, obviously, I wanted to see this guy in the UFC because he's Canadian. It's nice to have a Canadian in the UFC. He's a good prospect. But I could see it from Dana White's point of view. And honestly, I don't have a problem with him passing. You can't sign everyone from the show. Like, there's no point of having the show if they're just going to sign everyone. So in my opinion... I can actually see why he decided to pass on him. The next fight also went distance, but Dana did side the winner, Jeff Molina. He defeats Jacob Silva in a really good fight here at flyweight. Uh, he wins the United decision. It was a fun fight back and forth. Both guys pretty much laying it on the line. Jacob Silva, man, what a chin. <laughs> and we're, They were showing the, the replay of the fight at the end of it. It was just like this guy's just taking bombs to his chin and somehow survived it. Uh, good fight. Obviously, the UFC is always looking for flyweights. So even though Molina did not get the finish, I have no problem with him getting signed. Next up, Rafael Alves defeats Alejandro Flores via submission. And, yeah, I mean, it was a nice performance. And this guy is so experienced. He's a guy that should have been in the UFC probably already. So he now makes it to the UFC. He's on a 5 fight, fight win streak. I expect him to get a quick booking. He'll probably get a fight book in the next couple of weeks or month or so. And finally, in the main event, Jamie Pickett defeats Jonathan Patti via second round TKO and this was a crazy performance by Jamie Pickett I mean what a finish that was an insane finish and of course he gets a contract too. an incredible knockout seriously like the way he just exploded on Patti to get that finish was something really fun to watch so very impressive performance by Pickett he was the only one I got wrong on this card I thought that based on his last couple performances because every series he wasn't good enough but you know I think he is and I think that definitely showed that in this fight and it was a good performance and Uh, definitely worthy of a contract. And I loved his post-fight interview talking about how he like drives a truck like all day, you know, just trying to provide for his family. And now he makes it to the UFC and how he was, uh, you know, just training his ass off in this fight, driving like two hours each way to the gym to train with, I think he said John Salter. So, you know, this guy is definitely uh, a good talent. I'm glad he's in the UFC. I mean, I think this was a good sign. So overall four contracts handed out and I honestly have no problem with any of the deals. Obviously, some people thought Romero should have got one too, but I'm okay with him not getting one. All right, let's get to UFC on ESPN Plus 33. Just a small update for this card. So, of course, myself and Cole did break down the entire card on Tuesday's podcast. Definitely go back and check that out if you missed it. But there was one shakeup here. Dicati, he got who was supposed to fight Alex Caceres on the card. He is now out of the fight. And on short notice, stepped Kevin Kroon for like less than a day. Kevin Kroom was signed and then cut according to his social media. I don't know what the problem was. If it was a weight cut thing, if he told me he could make weight and then realized he couldn't, or if it was a drug testing issue or if it was something else. I have no idea. He said there was something out of his control, so who knows what happened. But Kroom is not in the UFC now. Maybe he'll get there again one day, but definitely interesting to see what happened there. But yeah, Jig is out, Kroom's out. And now, Caseras does have an opponent Austin Springer will be Alex Caceres' opponent. And the interesting thing about this guy is he actually beat Jigga Chikatsi on the Contender Series in 2018 by submission. He has one fight since then. He won that fight. He's a guy that hasn't been active. I don't know how they got this guy in short short notice. I hopefully he can make the weight. I, this could be one of those situations where it's a catchweight fight at like 150 or something. Because uh, this is a guy who hasn't fought in over a year. Um, actually, not over a year, but about nine um 11 months now it's close to that so it's been a while since he's fought but uh, he's also 33 years old I have no idea if this guy can make the way on short notice but interesting signing I mean it, it you know you gotta give it up for these guys like they persevere right because he's won three straight fights after losing three of his last four fights before that so he's a guy that has a decent amount of experience he's fought in Bellator he's found the alternate fighter he actually fought at Bellator 101 who headlined this card Joe Warren had won the card. So he's been around for a little while now, this guy. Will Brooks is also on that card, remember that one. So, yeah, um, I think this is a good signing. I mean, this guy has, like I said, some decent wins. He has a win over Jiga by submission. So if you're looking for a replacement for Jiga, might as well get the guy that beat him, right? I like the signing. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is a guy that probably should have picked up on contender series. Uh, I don't know if this is a good spot for him coming in on short notice. I expect him to be a pretty big dog here. Caceres should be favored in this fight. And for Alex Caceres, I mean, this is a pretty good situation for him, right, like personally, because uh, a lot of us thought he was going to lose to Jaga. He gets a fight against Krum that looked winnable. Now he gets an, an even more winnable fight, arguably, against Austin Springer. A guy who's a talented fighter just hasn't fought much and is also a little bit older. So um, I like the spot for Caceres. I expect him to be favored here, and he probably should win the fight. My pick's going to be Caceres to win, probably decision. All right, uh, let's get to some news here. So there's a lot to talk about here, but I want to talk about Dana White's um, press conference from the Contender Series. So he was asked a lot of questions about a number of different topics, but the number one thing that everyone's talking about right now is what's going on with Jon Jones. And we all know that Jon Jones vacated the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship. He intends on moving to heavyweight for his next challenge. And I love the move for him. This is a move I've been calling for for many years now. And I think Jon Jones at heavyweight is going to be a sight to see. Dana White confirmed that Jon Jones could get an immediate heavyweight title shot, which obviously brings off some alarm bells in people's ears, especially Francis Ngannou. So the plan right now is to have Stipe versus Ngannou too. That's the plan. But as soon as Jon Jones moved up to heavyweight, guys, I said on the podcast, I was like, you know what? Who knows? Dana White might change his mind because Jon Jones is a bigger name. He's a bigger fight uh, it's a bigger money fight, I think, with Stipe. The Nagano fight versus Stipe should be a good fight. It's a great fight. I mean, if that's the only fight that's available, that's a great fight. But once John Jones moved up, and you had that option to do the fight with Stipe, I think you have to strike while the iron's hot. So, yes, Dana White did not—he did not explicitly say that John Jones will be fighting Stipe next, but he left the door open, and I think that's enough of room for Jones to sneak in that door and get that title shot. So. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Nagano deserves it. Don't get me wrong, he does, but Jones deserves it too. So it's a tough spot for the UFC, I think, right now to pick who they want to go with. But don't be surprised if Jon Jones gets that title shot. And I, I don't have a problem with it if it happens, by the way. If it does happen, you know, you got to feel bad for Francis. Maybe they'll give him some money to just have him just chill out for a bit. But I'm sure he's, he wants to fight for that belt next. If they do Francis Sipe, like at the end of the year, December, or maybe January, then you could have Jones fight Stipe or Francis, the winner of that fight, maybe next summer. But that seems like a long wait for Jones to fight again, doesn't it? I, I know the UFC wants him to fight with fans and stuff like that. But at this point, you know, they have no idea when the fans are going to come back anyway. So we'll see what happens. But I'm not going to be surprised at all if the UFC announces that Jon Jones will be fighting Stipe and not Francis Sagano. Next up, Dana White spoke about Anderson Silva and confirmed he will be retiring after the Uriah Hall fight. Anderson Silva also spoke to ESPN and he essentially confirm that although he kind of is leaving the door open a little bit which of course you know makes it not really confirming it at all but yeah it seems like it's going to be his last fight especially in the UFC I believe Dana White recently said he had two fights left so I'm not sure if Dana was wrong and it actually only is one fight if it was two and Anderson agreed not to fight that last one but I'm most surprised he's leaving money on the table if that's the case if he does have two fights left but you know, um, th- this is a fight that – it's an important fight for Anderson Silva, obviously. It's a great fight, too. Uh, Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva, two high-level strikers. It's a fight that a lot of people, I think, have wanted to see for a long time. Uriah Hall is a guy that a lot of people compared to Anderson Silva for a long time. Not sure if I buy those comparisons or ever did, but it should be an interesting fight. Anderson Silva, 45 years old now. Oldest fighter in the UFC. I could definitely see why he would be walking away. He's obviously hasn't had much success in the last few years. He's lost his last two fights. Honestly, he should have lost to Derek Brunson, too. So, really, he should be on like a five-fight losing streak right now. Guy is a legend. He is one of the greatest of all time. But everyone's career comes to an end at some point. And looks like Anderson Silva will uh, probably retire after this fight with Ray Hall. But, again, we'll see what happens. And speaking of retirements, Diego Sanchez says he's contemplating retirement, which surprised me because Diego Sanchez is a guy that, He's been very stubborn. You know, people have said that they're worried about him, concerned about him and stuff like that. And he's always kind of ignored that and said he's feeling good. He feels great. But he did recently confirm with Mike Swick in an interview on his podcast that he is considering retirement. He says the Jake Matthews fight at UFC 253 might be it for him. I wish he had a better fight if that's going to be his last fight. I mean, Jake Matthews is a decent fighter. It's a decent matchup, but that doesn't seem like the kind of fight that Diego would want to retire off of. So he did say he has a four-fight deal with UFC right now. Somehow he's won three of his last four fights. Like, I have no idea how because he's a guy that a lot of people have just been writing off for a long time. But he's won three of his last four fights, including wins over Pergea, Gaul and uh Craig White so I mean he's look he looked decent although Perea fight should have been probably a TKO loss although he's uh he made a mistake and DQ'd himself so it is what it is but you know I, I love Diego he's a legend he's gonna go in the Hall of Fame one day but uh, I, I'm glad he's actually listening to people now and saying you know what maybe it's uh, it's time that I need to think about the next phase of my career and you know if he does retire I I think that would be it for him I don't think he'd be a guy that would go to like Bellator or something like that. I don't think so. I mean, maybe a lot of these guys, obviously like Tito and Bonner and all these guys that left the UFC ended up going to Bell later in their career. But I feel like Diego would be one of those guys that kind of is a UFC lifer and just kind of end his career. But we'll see what happens. Um, I definitely think that is a good move for him, though, to at least start thinking about the next phase of what he wants to do with his life. Uh and speaking of retirement, Javier Mendez. He wants Daniel Cormier to retire. He just says that that's it for him. He says he's not the same guy he was a few years ago. And, you know, you look at the two Stipe fights and you can kind of see where he's coming from. I mean, obviously, is elite. He's elite. He's he's one of the best ever. So it's hard to say, like, Cormier sucks now or something like that because he lost to, to Stipe. But there was signs in those fights where he is slowing down and he's getting a little older now. He's 41. Um, you know, D.C.'s a guy who's made a lot of money. It's really unfortunate that he kind of had a late start to his career. I think he started around age 30. It's unfortunate he didn't start when he was a little bit younger. But, man, he made the most of those 10 years. He was really an elite fighter in the sport. So you got to love D.C., one of the greatest ever as well. But uh, I think Javier Mendes is probably onto something. If your coach is saying that you should probably retire and you probably should end up hanging up your gloves. Dana also mentioned this is some other news that people are going to like. UFC 254 could have get a really nice addition between Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. And I talked to this in the podcast on Tuesday. I said this is perfect because it's uh, insurance just in case something happens to Justin in case you or Khabib Naraga made off. This makes a really good move for the UFC if they were going to do that. And I like the move if they do add it to the card. Hopefully they do. And I actually posted a tweet about that card and it kind of blew up because you look at what the main card could be, and it could be. Habib gave G main event, co main event, Poirier Ferguson. Also on the main card, Yair Rodriguez, Zabit Megavicharpov, Robert Whittaker versus Jared Cannonier, and Rafael Desanos versus Islam Makhachev. That could be the five fight main card. That would be one of the greatest cards ever. Not to mention the fact it has Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris, Cynthia Calvillo versus Lauren Murphy, and a couple other fights on the prelims. So this is a really good card so far. Hopefully, they do add this fight to it. But wow, what a card it is. Let's get to some fight announcements now that are actually happening. Uh, Derek Minner versus TJ Laramie. This should be a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. TJ Laramie was just signed off Contender Series. I had a feeling they put him in quick. He's a young K. He's only 22. He's ready to go. He took like, no damage in his last fight either against Daniel Swain. Defeated him via TKO. Comes back here against Derek Minner just a month later. Great fight. I mean, interesting fight. And definitely a dangerous fight. Derek Minner is a guy that, yeah, his record's not great. 24-11, and 11, and he has a lot of losses. A lot of submission losses couple uh, um stoppage losses from strikes too, but mostly submission losses, which is dangerous because uh, Laramie definitely has a submission game. He, he can, he can finish this guy on the ground, but he's a front runner, man. And he gets out there in the first round and he can finish guys. Derek Rader can. So it's a dangerous fight for uh, TJ Laramie. Of course, I will favor TJ Laramie. He's, he's a younger fighter. He's eight years younger. He's a prize prospect. Everyone's talking about him and we've seen, uh, Derek Minner have a couple shots against higher-level competition. Generally, he loses those fights. Having said that, look how many finishes this guy has. He is dangerous. So, you know, if he gets in there and locks up a, a choke in the first round while they're both dry, he can win this fight. My pick would be Laramie. Uh, that would be my lean, I should say. Uh, I don't, we don't have odds for it, obviously. But my lean is Laramie, although I do think Minner is a dangerous guy. All right, next up, we have Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Feely. I like this fight, too. This is a fun fight as well. Bryce Mitchell, a guy that recently jumped into the rankings. I mean, he's been impressive in the UFC. You know about it. I'm not super into his personality and his whole – you know, give you the camel shorts thing. I, I think it's cool that he's he's got his own persona. That is cool. He's an Arkansas kid, and and that and that's that's his thing. I mean, I'm not super into it, but I, I think that you know he's definitely developing a fan base. So I got to respect what he's doing. And and you know, for me, it's just his performance inside the octagon. He's looked good. Four no, the fight with. Matt Sales last year, he submitted him with a twister, I and mean, that was impressive. And bounced back recently, I shouldn't say bounced back, he just you know kept winning the fight uh, over Charles Rosa at UFC 249. He looked really good in that fight. So, and this is this is a guy who's dangerous, and he's a good fighter, and, he, and he's young too. He's only 25 years old. So, I've liked what I've seen from Bryce Mitchell in the UFC. He has the one loss in his whole career to Brad Gatona and that's it. And that was an ultimate fighter and exhibition fight. Other than that, guy's been impressive. So, takes an Andre Fieldy here, a guy who's uh, almost turned to a gatekeeper, I think, at 145, but a very dangerous gatekeeper in his last fight. Had a great fight with Jordan. Wins by split decision. He's won three of his last four. He's a very tough guy to beat. He's a tough guy to look good against. Um, you look at his career, it's it's difficult to finish this guy. But, uh, you know, he's, just, he's a really good opponent for these young up-and-coming guys to see really where they stack up. I do think that Mitchell's going to be favored in this fight just because he's unbeaten as a pro and because... Man, I mean that's that's a mission win over sales with the twister. I mean, how do you not favor the guy against <laughs> against a lot of people? But you know, Andre Feely is is a super dangerous guy, and stylistically, he does have decent wrestling. So if he keeps this fight standing, he'll probably have the striking advantage. But again, can he keep it standing? I don't know. We'll see what happens, but great fight, love the matchup. Um Hanato he's making his return. And then we take a Magomed Mustafaev. So interesting fight here. And actually I should mentioned like a lot of these cards during September, October, so um, these are upcoming fights, but not in the next week or so. They're, they're coming in the next month or two. Um, Bernal Macario, thirty-one years old, he's coming off a win over Demir Hadzevich. Looked really good in that fight. Quick win, forty-four seconds. Um, you kind of thought the UFC might give him a like a higher level guy because he does have some good wins. I mean, he has a win over Calvin Cater, You know, this a win over Jerry Siemens. This is a dangerous guy overall in his career in the UFC. Six and three. So he has been inconsistent at times with the losses. But you look who he lost to: Aldo Ortega and korean zombie not bad losses uh anyways he takes on Magomed and Moose to five here and Magomed is a dangerous guy he's only three and two in the ufc but the wins were nice the win over raphael fizzy have knocked him out i mean that guy looks amazing right now so that's a really good win also knocked out proctor and hallman he did lose to brad riddle in his last fight it was a close fight lost the decision there and then he got tapped by kevin lee a couple years ago he's a guy that hasn't been too active in the ufc unfortunately you know five years in the ufc five fights i don't like that i'd like to see him more active but definitely a dangerous guy. Um, McDaniel has been finished before, so p- perhaps if he catches him on the chin, he could put him out. I expect McDaniel to be favored here. He's kind of a bigger name, but definitely a competitive fight. And the other fight announcement I want to mention here: Sean Strickland returning to the octagon when he takes on Wellington Turman. Man, I'm excited to see Strickland back. This is a guy that. Wow, a few years ago, I mean, a lot of us are talking about him as, like, a future middleweight prospect uh, that could make a run for the belt. He had a nice run in the UFC at, at one point. He had won five of six fights. Then he had a fight with Usman, and since then he just hasn't fought much. Um, he has won two of his last three fights, but he hasn't fought in, like, almost two years now since he beat Erdogan Taleb. I'm assuming he's had injuries and stuff like that, which is really unfortunate. Uh, but I'm glad that he is finally returned to the octagon. I mean, this guy is solid, guys. Uh, overall in the UFC, seven and three. So, I mean, he has a nice record. And he's had some great performances, like the win over McDaniel in his debut. That was really nice. Uh, the win over Garcia and a celeb fight. So, I mean, this guy's been impressive. I like him. I, I think he's kind of underrated, but he hasn't fought in a long time, which is definitely worrisome. Turman coming off a knockout loss here to Sanchez, one and two in the UFC hasn't been too impressive. I think the UFC wants Strickland to get a win here against a guy who's very beatable, but you know, Turman's definitely dangerous too. And Strickland hasn't fought in a while, so. Who knows? We'll see how that fight goes. Um, let me take a look here. There's definitely some other fight announcements, not like big name fights by any means, but definitely a few worth mentioning. Um, and thanks, of course, to Marcel, who I had on the uh, podcast a few weeks ago, does a great job collecting the fight announcements. Uh, how about this fight? Casey Kenny, highly Alatang. This should be a fun fight at 135 coming up in October. Got a favorite Kenny, I think, in that fight, but Alatang's definitely a good fighter, too. but uh, this one, uh Sudara Hubanks versus Carol Rosa. I'm assuming Sarge would favor that fight's actually happening next week, so we'll get odds of that soon. Chris Docus against Rodrigo Nascimento. Interesting fight here between uh, two heavyweights. I like Docus man, but Nascimento, he's looked actually really good in the UFC. He has submission skills too, so he's a dangerous guy. That could go either way. It really could. I, I like Docus that man, he's tough. He's a tough dude. He had a nice debut, but Nascimento is actually a legitimate prospect, I think, in heavyweights. Um, just a couple other ones here. Sam Alvey will be taking Dan Jung. Hopefully, Dan Jung can actually make it to his fight this time. Fight with uh Ed Herman got canceled, but this fight will take place at UFC 253. Uh, what else? Jung Young Park and what the heck? Oh, yeah, Jung Young Park against John Phillips. Both these guys that had fights set for like the card two weeks ago, they had I think these issues that fell through. Now they've been rescheduled. I think it's for Fight Island. Uh, John Park against John Phillips. Surprised they're giving John Phillips another fight, honestly. But I guess they felt bad for kind of throwing to the wolves there with uh, Kamaev. And then the other fight here. Actually, a guy, uh, Al Al Zulino at BJPan.com broke the news of this one. Antonio Arroyo against Andreas Mikhailides. Obviously not the biggest names in the middleweight division, but I'm definitely curious to see what happens in that fight. All right. Let me just see if there's any other news I want to get to. But I think today's going to be a bit of a shorter show, which is good because the last couple of podcasts have been going a long time. I should mention if, if people that uh, listen typically on like iTunes and stuff like that haven't seen the last episode up, there's just a, some issues with converting the files right now. So unfortunately, I can't get that up yet. But hopefully today. I want to get that up to people who do listen that way. But, yeah, I think that's going to be it for today's show, guys. So you guys can follow me on Twitter at Emma Martin. Podcast is available at maodsberger.com. And like I mentioned, it's available outside YouTube at uh, Spotify, Apple News. Um, iTunes, I should say, Google Hangouts, a lot of different places. So there's definitely places to get the podcast. I'll get that last episode up very soon. Uh, also, you guys can check me out at bjpan.com. That's where all I all my news is and a lot of my articles. MArings.net as well. I just posted an article about Frankie Edgar and why the UFC should fast track him at 135 pounds. All right, that's going to be it for today's show, guys. I hope you guys have a great weekend and enjoy the fights. I'll be back on Tuesday to preview the next UFC card. Have a great day, guys, and have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.